Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, where each week, Dr. Frank Domino, along with his guests, translates today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. Now, broadcasting from the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester, Mass., your host, Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Gary's a 58-year-old male in your practice, and he presents today uh, to discuss his hypertension. He heard a recent report on the news that all he has to do is drink tea to control his blood pressure and wants to know what you think. Hi, this is Frank Domino. Joining me today on Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine is Robert Baldor, Professor and Senior Vice Chair in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Thanks for bringing this forward, Bob. Thanks, Frank. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, probably what he's referring to was a recent study that was presented at the uh, uh, American uh, uh, Heart Association uh, meeting where uh, a researcher looked at a survey. They had um, about 1,200 adults recruited online, another 100 patients that were attending an outpatient clinic. And uh, to complete the survey, most were young, under um, 45 years of age, and the uh, most had high blood pressure. And I asked them the question, they said, imagine, imagine you have high blood pressure, and uh, would you be willing to adopt any of these four treatments? And the treatments uh, were to gain an extra month, extra year, or extra five years of life. Really fascinating survey to look at this. The treatments proposed, a daily cup of tea, exercise, taking pills, or monthly uh, or semi-annual injections. And what do you think they found? Well, people like to do the least, so I'm guessing <laughs> they wanted to, to take take a cup of tea. Yeah, you know, it's fascinating in my practices. Isn't there a pill for that, right? Um, so the results showed that taking a pill or drinking a daily cup of tea were the preferred, preferred treatment, although some were unwilling to do anything, interestingly enough. But 79, uh, 96% said that they would take a pill if it would uh, Get, get them an extra five years. Um, 96% would drink tea for an extra five uh, years. Um, interestingly, 93% would exercise. So it wasn't 93 actually said that they would exercise if for an extra five years, but the headlines were taking the tea. I bet that's what they said, but it's, I'm not convinced that's what they do. Well, that's a different piece of this. So, uh, and then, by the way, taking a shot was the least uh, least favorable, although 88% would opt for an injection every month if it gave them an extra five years. Of All life. right. Well, it's well, interesting data on some of and what people are, preferences that younger folks have. So, Bob, drinking tea, exercise, we, we have good data. We, we discuss taking pills a lot. What's the data on, on drinking tea? Is it any kind of tea or what? Yeah, so you know, uh, tea's been put out there for a long time as being beneficial and helpful for your for your health. And, and you look at a lot of these studies, it's like, well, is it because it's displacing something else or is there a benefit or not? So I always go back to this uh, Cochrane review, which was done a couple of years ago, where they really uh, looked at green or black tea for the primary prevention of cardiovascular disease. And they did find a little bit of a benefit uh, in lowering uh, blood pressure. So black tea would lower your systolic blood pressure by... Uh, 1.8 millimeters in your diastolic uh, by about um, by about one as well. So maybe two millimeters, one millimeter reduction from black tea. You know, I don't like black tea myself. I prefer the green tea. And so green tea, was it any better? Yeah, green tea um, 
seemed to lower at about three, your systolic blood pressure by about uh, three points and the, the diastolic uh, again by about three. So there is some evidence for some efficacy with drinking uh, tea. However, they talked about the fact that this is really limited evidence. Uh, most of these studies were very small in, uh, in, in, in nature and uh, were, were observational and, and it's hard to know what to make of these observational studies. But it appears to be some very minor benefit from drinking tea green tea perhaps a little better than black tea. So, so that's a great example of a statistically significant finding that's probably clinically not relevant because if you're two or three millimeters of mercury high, many of us don't necessarily jump on the diagnosis or consider it a therapeutic benefit to, to get a two or three millimeter reduction in systolic or diastolic. All right, well, so that's tea. We have limited data that it might help a bit. What do we know about exercise? Well, exercise, we actually have uh, increased uh, more data on that. It actually goes back to some studies that were that were actually done here back uh, 2000 in, uh, 2003, these studies were done. And they looked at how much exercise is required to reduce uh, blood pressure in folks with, uh, with hypertension. And it was great. They showed that exercise can lower systolic blood pressure by 12, diastolic by 6. Now those are significant those lowerings are significant. In, your, in, your, in your numbers. I'll take that. Well then the question what they looked at was how much exercise. And this is really important because if I can do that with as little exercise as possible, maybe I'll do that. So what they found was the be maximum benefit was for those who exercised uh, 60 to 90 minutes a week. If you go above 90 minutes a week, they didn't really see much of a benefit from that. Less than 60 minutes a week uh, was still beneficial, but not as much. To, to, so to get that reduction of the 12 uh, over 6, that's really what people had to, uh, had to be doing. Um, and then it was interesting, a recent study was just also published here in looking at uh, exercise in folks with resistant hypertension. So that was for primary treatment. Now we're looking at folks with resistant hypertension. Resistant hypertension is those who are on three medications and still having trouble with control. So the question is, if you add exercise onto people who are taking those pills already, can that be helpful? And they actually showed a reduction there as well, not quite as much as in the primary group. These are folks, mind you, that have resistant hypertension, but they showed a significant uh, decrease of about six uh, millimeters in systolic and uh, three in the, in, in the diastolic. So even a benefit for people who have resistant hypertension on medications already. All right, so um, tea, maybe a tiny bit of benefit, probably not clinically significant. Exercise, 60 to 90 minutes sounds like where we should be going for most of our patients, even those with resistant hypertension. Bob, I love prescribing exercise, but how do you help patients exercise 60 to 90 minutes a week? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think we've talked a lot about motivational interviewing and how do we actually motivate people to, uh, to make behavioral changes and we have to get better at those skills. They're not that hard to do. And I think it's a little bit trying to talk to people about the benefits of some uh, behavioral change versus taking a medication. But people like to have you prescribe something. So prescribe exercise. You can write out an exercise prescription. And I will do this. I'll actually still get out my old prescription pad, although I bet there's probably an exercise prescription in my EHR that I don't use. But I like the idea of sitting down with them with a prescription pad, putting down and talking with them, well, what would you like to do for exercise? Because it's not necessarily that they have to get on a treadmill. Maybe it's swimming, maybe it's walking, maybe it's running. What would they like to do for an exercise? And, you know, when could you do this during the day and how many times? And so I would write this out like I would a medication, right? So you're saying, here's this drug, you're gonna take it once a day and you're gonna take it, you know, for three, so exercise, so all right, you're gonna go for a walk and you're going to do it for 20 minutes, 
daily or you're going to do it 30 minutes three times a week actually write it out but part of this is working with a patient around what is it exercise that they can do what fits in with their lifestyle okay you're going to do this at noontime rather than having lunch you're going to go out and walk or whatever and how many times a day a week and you want it to add up to 60 to 90 minutes a week and i always, always shoot for the 90 minutes a week because i figure if you shoot for the high end and they miss a little, they'll hopefully hit the, the, the 60. And it is fascinating that that little amount of exercise shows a benefit. That's great. I, I think you're absolutely right. I see you're wearing a, a, a smart watch there. Um, any thoughts on activity trackers? Yeah, these are great. And there's just some data out there that really shows benefit with this. What I like about my smart watch is it'll buzz if I've been sitting too long and it'll say, hey, get up and walk, basically. Um, I also have in here a targeted number of steps per day that I want to do at 10,000. And when I hit that, it buzzes and it flashes. It's Those are just so positive reinforcements. And having this on my uh, wrist actually reminds me of the fact that fitness and moving is, is, is part of my lifestyle. So again, those are reminders and that helps people as, uh, as well. And again, there's some data beginning to show benefit from, from smart uh, technologies. Bob, thanks so much. Treating hypertension is a challenge that we all face. And this is really wonderful data that shows you can treat it with, with fairly small amount of exercise. Practice pointer, 60 to 90 minutes of aerobic exercise per week will significantly lower elevated systolic and diastolic blood pressure. Join us next time when we discuss the role of the digital rectal exam as part of the screening process for prostate cancer. And visit us at primed.com to stay current on many primary care topics. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine brought to you by Primed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, please browse the more than 300 free CME accredited activities now available on primed.com. Thank you again for listening.